we are made to move. So keep moving to stay mobile. Even some little gentle stretches, you know, every single day will help that. Focus on breath and taking that moment in the day to just center yourself and be present. They made it to fit people of our age and, well, let's people with disabled like we can, can, can enjoy it, you know. Welcome back to Linkage Let's Talk. Thank you so much for tuning into episode two. Over the next five episodes, we'll be delving in to discuss the five ways to well-being, as presented by the New Economics Foundation. This evidence-based report condenses key aspects of feeling good and functioning well into five practices. Connecting with others, giving, being active, staying mindful and learning. We will look into why each practice is important for well-being in general and for older people, and how it's been put into practice here at Linkage+. Today's way of well-being is being active. We will be exploring this through the lens of Dancing East, a course of dance lessons set up for older people by the English National Ballet. Laura Harvey, their head of creative programmes, will be telling us her aims, the details and the results of this joyful programme. We will then hear from John, born in Mauritius before moving to England and becoming a Mancunian mechanic to football stars of the day. John tells his perspective on Dancing East and how he has benefited from it alongside some advice and anecdotes from his own life. The research suggests that activity should be focused on enjoyment and a suitable level of mobility. In this way, it has been associated with reduced rates of anxiety, depression and cognitive decline. Dancing East embodies this idea of fun and individualised movement. And I will leave you with Laura to tell you more about it. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've been really looking forward to this episode. My grandmother was a dancer with the festival ballets. Oh, amazing. It's lovely, actually, how many people you connect with that you hear. Oh, I did ballet as a kid, or I did this, or my grandmother did this. And it's a uniting factor, I think, in lots of ways. So uh, to start off, could you tell us a bit about yourself and your background and what you do for the English National Ballet? Yeah, of course. Um, So my name is Laura Harvey um, and I am currently head of creative programmes at English National Ballet. So I actually joined the company in 2009. So I've been there for about 12 years and I joined as their learning and participation officer, national and international. It's like the longest title in the world. Um, And I was responsible for choreographing and directing a lot of their flagship engagement programmes. We work with sort of little ease all the way up. Um, the scale I think one of our oldest ladies that we currently work with is about 92 so um, it's amazing the the range of people that we work with but in my current role I'm I'm really sort of tasked with identifying and and promoting the development of high quality artistic programs so we have a big dance and health strand which obviously is what we're talking about today we have a large strand of working with um, young people um, our youth dance company through our talent pipeline Um, we run classes we have schools programs and really part of my role is about kind of creative oversight of those and then also sort of from a management perspective of getting those up and running and you know we look at partnerships that's really important to the work that we do especially with you know out in the community because a lot of those people in the community are the gatekeepers um, you know to our participants 
as an engagement team, we strive to make our work accessible, to connect to our dancers. And, you know, our mission is to take ballet to the widest possible audience. And and our programmes, I think, do that really well. Could you take us a little bit into the sort of outreach programmes you do and how they span over different parts of the community? Our programmes have grown. So our work has always been very outreach driven, sort of into the community. One of the programmes that sort of overview of programmes that I'm responsible for is our dance and health strand. So that includes our Dance for Parkinson's programme, which has been running for over 10 years now. It's on a national level, and that was sort of the first programme of its kind in the UK to be run by a large-scale dance organisation. We are shortly to launch our new Dance for Dementia strand as well. We have an elders company who are based out in, in West London. And then this year, it's sort of in response to the pandemic, we launched EMB Together, which was a befriending scheme. And we piloted it back in March. And it was really about, you know, those people that were most isolated, I think, through the pandemic, about connecting them um, and having more than one interaction a week with us, maybe through our dance class, but also then through conversation. And actually, in the current world we live in, you know, having those moments of contact, of socialisation, of physical activity seems sort of even more important than ever. We work with some amazing young people our youth dance company, EMB Youth Co, just have the most superb dancers. I think it's lovely because we get to kind of combine a lot of our work together. For example, the work on our Dance for Dementia strand, we're doing an event to celebrate International Youth Dance Day and our youth company will present to our care homes who will zoom in to a live session with them. So where we can make those links, we do. And I think a lot of our dance and health work, you know, we underpin it with research And that's really important to us because it it really gives gravitas to the work that we're delivering and just seeks to highlight why it is so important to be engaged creatively. Um, And as I said, I think that's even more important in light of sort of recent events over this last year. What's sort of the primary mechanism that you look for in improving the well-being of the people that use it? Are you looking to keep them physically active? You mentioned the sort of social interaction as well. The beauty of dance as an intervention, I think, is that it offers a number of positive outcomes. Every programme we deliver, you know, has its own set of objectives. The work we deliver is very person-centred, particularly in the dance and health arena, because Obviously, the needs of those participants we work with differs from individual to individual and also programme to programme. So it's important as an organisation that we're recognising what that particular programme and those particular participants really need. I think in regards Dancing East, there's a number of aims. One was around providing artistic excellence and a professional experience for participants. So, you know, we're a large scale ballet company. We're known on an international scale. And actually, our job fundamentally in engagement is about connecting our audience to the company and how we do that. So through sort of that professional artistic experience, they get to understand more about the organisation. So, you know, we focus a lot on the repertoire of the organisation, on bringing artists in to work with our participants. They come to the theatre. So it really offers a sort of 360 degree perspective of the organisation. I think there's also something for our work with older people about shifting their perceptions of how dance can be relevant to their lives. I remember going into one of the linkage centres to talk about coming in to, to do ballet. And I remember one of the ladies, you know, brilliant, you know, real East London through and through. And she said, 
how is this even relevant? I'm never going to get my tutu on. And then the next week she's dancing, uh, up and going across the hall. And I think sometimes it's just about breaking down that barrier and about saying, actually, this is why it's relevant to you. It will keep you mobile. It keeps you physically active, combats the symptoms of loneliness and isolation. It will improve your mental well-being. And actually for us, it's about encouraging future participation in the arts So we offer this way in and hope that people will then continue either on a journey with us or actually be encouraged to go and go to a gallery or go and see another performance somewhere. So, you know, there are just there are so many benefits, I think, in this context. Yeah, that's amazing. There's so much there that I wouldn't even have thought of that engages in such a long term way. So how did the Dance East uh, programme start? We launched in 2017 with a pilot project. We knew that we were moving to this amazing new building and that we were going to be really embedded in Newham, where our building is. And We've always worked London wide. We've never just been sort of focused on one area, but we knew that to understand the communities that we were going, you know, we're going to be our neighbours, that we really needed to know and find out about what they would want, you know, from us and what we could offer. It just took off really beautifully. There was so much involvement and engagement from the people at the centres. And I think crucially, the people who ran the centres, you know, as I said, I referred to them earlier as gatekeepers, but they really are because the people who come to those centres, they have a relationship with them, they trust them, they know that if they're bringing an activity in, then it's probably going to be something that will be worthwhile. We did an evaluation as part of that pilot. And just some of the comments that came out of it, it it was kind of mind blowing, really. Um, One of the centres at that time had a a group, per chance, who were recovering from uh, having a stroke. And one of the comments was, you know, that they do lots of physio having had a stroke. But actually, this activity was much better because they said that when I do physio, I think about everything I can't do and feel sad. But here, you know, the movement takes me somewhere else and I'm happy. I enjoy that. So it doesn't feel like physio in the same way because it's sort of framed in this creative experience. And there was other people who said, I'm not who you'd expect to be in a dance class. But now that I'm retired, who knows, maybe I'll be doing my own dances and become a teacher. So it sort of takes people in different directions. How do you open up something that's typically seen as physically demanding to an old group of people? Yeah, so I sort of referred earlier to our person-centred approach. We have very stringent training. We work with a group of freelance associate dance artists and musicians. The artists will come in, they'll do a session with us about the repertoire that we're going to be looking at for that term. We will have conversation around sort of suitable exercises around the group. We try to be true to the repertoire because actually everything comes from that artistic place and that's why our classes are successful maybe more successful than if you were going to a physio for example because it's not a focus on therapy the therapeutic benefits are sort of an added bonus but the focus on a creative movement class I think is what really engages people we're very conscious that it has an option to really resonate on an intellectual social and emotional level as well Uh, And that really comes through in this sort of person-centred facilitation because it puts a focus on inclusivity and an individual's needs with creating this really happy, positive atmosphere. So we want people to feel valued and feel feel part of that programme as well. But, you know, we like to challenge our dancers and and at the end, you know, often they'll say, woof, you know, that was 
that was quite tough. Um, but they pushed themselves beyond what they think they're capable of. And, and that's, a, that's a real achievement. I think we all have to remember we are made to move. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've spent quite a lot of time this last year sat down, which is not really in my DNA. Um, <laughs> and I think it's, you know, it's really important that people are up and doing and moving. It helps increase our mobility. It helps to increase our strength our self-confidence we know as we get older you know our posture tends to suffer and actually you know ballet especially with a a lot of focus on the upper body really helps to improve that you know we've talked a little bit about how it challenges us in feeling challenged in a positive way that actually can make us really happy I think a big part of these classes is the fun element as well and, and finding that through the movement Um, I mean, in our Dance for Parkinson's classes, we've seen that actually the exercises can temporarily relieve the symptoms of Parkinson's. Uh, And we did a very big study and people actually said that it affected them into the week because they were able to carry some of those benefits with them. So I think, you know, the physical and mental benefits really go hand in hand. Totally. And when we're talking about the five ways of well-being, one activity contains so many of those other ways as well. It's got a huge impact on well-being. Mm. And then I would love to touch briefly on music as well. Obviously, music plays a huge role in dance. Is that something you found that's important in these classes? Yeah, I mean, music goes hand in hand for us with dance. At English National Ballet, we have an amazing philharmonic orchestra. They're completely embedded when we perform as an engagement team. It's very important that we have that, you know, live music aspect as part of our classes it can create a state of mind it can take people to different places it has the ability to really set the scene which only kind of augments the dance that's then been delivered and performed when we did our pilot scheme one of the things that somebody said was that actually you know live music was really integral part of their experience as a participant because it felt like a treat Someone said, I I knew I didn't feel up to dancing today, but I came anyway to just listen to the music. I would never do that for a recording. I just have so many more questions, but I can't put them (laughs) into words because I I love talking about this so much. Um, So I want to try and find some words. Do you have uh, big plans coming up? All of our plans are reliant on funding, which obviously is, you know, a kind of hot topic. As an organisation, we are committed to sustainable programmes. We're not an organisation that flies in and does one thing and flies out again. So everything we do is very carefully planned. You know, in a way, the pandemic for us has opened up other possibilities in terms of the audiences we, we reach, because I think people are wanting to come forward and do more now as well. Our Dance with Parkinson's is a very embedded strand of work and we're about to embark on a new research project called Shaper with King's College, which will be the biggest study of its kind around arts intervention. So that's a real interesting moment for us with Dance with Parkinson's. Dance for Dementia will be launching in September virtual events online for care homes but it's also about working with social care staff and upskilling them to work in a creative way with the people that they care for and then you know we have our flagship programs which we have a long-term commitment to we're always looking and scoping and identifying where there is a need and if we can meet that then then we always try to. What tips could you give our listeners to get involved or staying active? As I said, you know, we are made to move. So keep moving to stay mobile. Even some little gentle stretches, you know, every single day will help that. 
focus on breath and taking that moment in the day to just center yourself and be present you know put a tune on and have a little dance a day I have two young boys and we do a lot of dancing in our kitchen and I know we always feel better for that Um, and if you can get yourself to a dance class because you will have improved physical well-being improved mental well-being and you might discover a skill that you never even knew you had when we can reopen our doors to the public we offer a full class program and you do not need to be a dancer you do not need to have a tutu Um, you do not only need to be a female you know it's about open access there's no excuse for anybody not to step inside a dance studio particularly English national ballets wonderful thank you so much this has been such an amazing conversation I've loved hearing more about the program thank you for having me it's lovely to be able to get that message out to people you know about how dance can improve our well-being hopefully you know it will inspire people to to want to do that and engage so that's great thank you Rosie a massive thank you to Laura for her time in this interview and now to hear more about its direct impact and effect we're going to talk to John so before we talk about the dance classes in particular be really nice to hear a bit about your background and where you grew up. What I'd particularly like to know is, did you always leave an active lifestyle? And has activity and sports and that kind of thing, have they played a big yeah. part? I can tell you straight away. I came to this country in 1960 and I was born in Mauritius. I saved for four years to get enough fun to pay my fares to come because my parents are very poor. So I came here. I got jobs the next day working in a restaurant. After that, I liked football, so I went to Manchester to watch Manchester United. Lucky enough, I got a job in a garage where all the players service their cars. So I know all those players, all the United players as well. And my boss was very good. He gave me time off to go to college. So I studied O-level, I got the O-level. I joined the Air Force. 25, something like that I was. Then everything went beautiful. And I got married in Cyprus while I was in the Air Force with my wife. And then we came here. And my wife was a dress designer. I got a job in the post office as a mechanic. So me and my wife, we sent our children to private school. Two children to private school cost a lot of money. But both of us believe in education for the children. I say, I come to this country. I want my children to speak proper English, not slang and all those things. And then the Air Force, you speak very good. I Even myself, I did find difficult, but we meet our top people, not, not riffraff. We got the school for her, and that was lovely. From then, my other daughter went as well. My daughter became head girl there. Then my other daughter, she became head girl too, and not only. That's what your education is very good and not only that if you do a lot extracurriculum you know outside because when the application you get to put so much and my daughter got so much it's funny because when you have kids and when when you are a kid you have all these extracurricular activities and a lot of them really fit into this sort of five ways of well-being right as we get older it's important to actually maintain those kind of links and clearly evidence that they are very successful yeah but i say to my children I say those school because they are very rich people. I say we are the only one 
don't have a business or anything. I'm just working in the post office. But I say we like the iron, you see, for the children. The iron is solid for us, it's hollow inside. So if you don't do good, we may not be able to carry on because they used to get scholarship in those classes. So that's that, you see, and myself. But my wife worked very hard. But when it's time for us to start going on holiday, all that, she passed away. She got cancer in the brain, and then she passed away. We miss her now, but I got married again. This wife passed away as well. So now I'm, I am by myself. It's very difficult, and, and I don't drink much. I don't go to pub, all those things. So there was not much to do. Except come yeah. here and, and dance. Here, the so I find this club is here is very good, but it's a bit far from me. Do you walk in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... I used to have three cars before, yeah, one for my parents. wife, one for <laughs> myself to go to work, and one we used to use just for weekend. So what brought you to Linkage Plus initially? How did you hear about it? I was in the coffee club. My daughter neighbor was going in that club, the club there. So he told me to go in there, so that's why I went. I joined East London Club. We went down to Thornby state or something. That is very, very good there. When I joined up, because I went for an East London club, we went there. And then, after three weeks, I was taking people, guests there, to reach hotel to for tea. I was asked to go. Because I put my name and I was there. So we went for to have tea in the rich. Yeah, very, very, very nice, nice too. Yeah, very posh. You have the tea, the biscuit come in there. When you go in the toilet, my God, I can't describe it, how nice it is, all those things. Then the waiter say, well, bye-bye, see you again. Say, see you again. When will that ever be? That's the dream thing, you know? Let's talk about the dance programme they have. So did you have any preconceptions about starting this class? No, no, this dance is very good. I mean, the ballet, because... You don't have to do so much like standing on your top toes or all those things. Because for our age people, the ballet is very, very nice. They made it to fit people of our age and, well, let's people with disabled like we can, can, can enjoy it, you know. But I can't see thoughts on it, but I only want to see that they have it more or less permanent thing. And you but would do it every day if you could... Oh, yeah, I don't mind doing it every day, you know. Oh, yes, be very nice. Something to do, somewhere to go. Look, see. It's like you, some people go to library and sit down and do reading and all those things. It's same like that. And meet people is very, very good. It is for individual need because, uh, like, see, if you can't do certain things, don't do it. You see, you don't force you to do whatever you can. So what sort of benefits do you feel from it? Healthy, happy. You don't feel rejected, you see. You're feeling important, you see. And everybody's smiling, you see. There's no such thing as pressure on you, which is very good. And that's the main thing. It's just not over the road. There's a fair bit to travel to come here and do it. So that is part of it as well, which is good. And do you enjoy the sort of social interaction of it as well? Yes, yes, that's, that's the main part of it as well, the social part of it. You meet people, same like I meet you now, first time. First time I'm doing the podcast, never done it before. 
So that is so very good too. I was worried what is podcast, what is this, what not, and happy that I've been chose to do it. One of the other things I was talking to Laura about was music and how important music is. Has music played an important part in your life? Well, not much of it, but now it does. There's a take a part of it. But before, as I said to you, I couldn't do much of music all that because I didn't have the, the means for it, nor the time. But music is very nice to show it. Even as a spectator, it's very nice too to see. You see some band doing it and all those things. You appreciate it. Have you ever been to see a ballet with the English National Ballet? Or any ballet, really? I've never been to see a live ballet, no. But I've seen Terrestrial with the ballet when they have it on TV or anything like that. If the place takes you to go and see the ballet, proper ballet and all those things, I would definitely go, you know. Because I'm interested, since I've been doing the ballet club, I'm interested with ballet now, you see. Tell me more about Charlie Chaplin. So this is your new project with the classes. Well, Charlie Chaplin, the way you walk, you know, there's a hand, there's a leak, and the trousers flashing, you see. The other ballet class we did was about the king, queen, and then they have the servant. It's all, all the ballet they do, it's about the history, say, or something, and follow it. It was very nice, it was very enjoyable, you know, and you learn as well. There was the creative part of it. You got the picture in your head what it is about, you know, and the other thing. My boss in Manchester, his wife, sister, is a ballet teacher in America. She came on holiday and we were talking about football. He says they do classes on ballet about football itself. He said she was just moving about the ball and kicking like that and showing the ballet part of it. You do the movement and the ballet ways, you know. It develops you a lot, you know, and you enjoy doing it, as if you take, really you're taking part of it, as if you are doing it. Do you have any tips for people listening on ways to stay active? What would you, what would you tell them to do? Yeah, but I will tell the person, don't be idle. Do something. Like me, I find the ballet very nice, uh, but some other people will be finding reading very interesting, you know. You can't just be... Everybody even knows what they, they have something in mind. Throughout your life, what's one thing that you've done that's always made you happy? Well, everything I've done, I'm happy. Everything. I did write an essay when I was in college, What You Want Out of Life. And in it I said, I like to get married, I like to have two children, and I like to have girls, because girl is more fun. I like them to be well-educated. I like my wife to be well-educated. And those days, not everybody got cars, so I'd like to have a car. I like for my wife to be able to go to work, but if she don't, I should be able to look after her. So all that come true. So I gave it, let's say to my children, here it is, that's what I wrote on those days. People didn't have all those things, you know, like I said to you. That's amazing that you wrote all that down and then it all came true. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my dream when I came to this country, you see. And then I put it in writing because there was nothing else I could do. After that was my boss. 
he was in the army, a major in the army, and he used to write his wife every day. So I said, Mr. Haig, what do you have to say? What can you say about every day writing to your wife? I say, I write once a month, I don't know what to say. He said, well, John, is very easy. He said, if you're sitting down here, today you discard that table. You see, what kind of wood you think that is, the design of it, how old you think that table is, what, what you think people use, the next thing you do about the window, next thing you do about the weather. So when I get my grandchildren, we sit in the garden, I say to my granddaughter, so, you see, Sheila, when you sit down here, you see those trees, there's birdies there, the leaves is falling, even the apple, all those things. You can describe all those things, you write, so you can write a lot. You see, my, so my daughter said, my granddaughter said, you're like a poet, granddad, you know, but just the bit which my boss say, how you to write it and you catch it so quick. Myself, when we were small, we can only wish because we were very poor. Did you ever play football yourself? I was very weak. I couldn't play much. The only goalkeeper in that garage was all United as well. And the funny part was it, when I was in the Air Force, my ticket used to come by post. So if you buy the program, there's a token in the program. So as a keep in the paper, you must have 20 tokens or 15 tokens to get a ticket. So I used to get that. Plus, I used to know the players. Georgie Bess, I used to know. Dennis Law used to give me a ticket, mostly, you see. So I used to get ticket come by post for me. So when I was in the Air Force, well, very easy. I was in Manchester and I was in Blackpool. You go in the motorway with your uniform, they just give you lift. And it's, and it's quicker than train and everything. So you get lift, go to London and watch much. United was playing Chelsea that day. In some of the sergeants say, we make a weekend work. I say, no, sergeant, I can't go because I got to go to London once a match. I'm going to have to let you go to your dance class in a second. Yeah, yeah. Are you looking forward to your class this afternoon? Yeah, I'm looking forward to do my meet all the people and maybe describe what happened here. Maybe that was, that was good <laughs> as well. And then when I see Francis, I say, thank you for letting me join late yeah and, well, and then actually. i don't know if i done good enough or not oh totally yes. oh, more than. thank you so much for talking to me this thank has been you. so fun thank you thank you a massive thank you to john and laura for coming on this episode of linkage let's talk i hope you found it interesting and inspiring to hear how it's never too late to get moving as laura said we are made to move Maybe it might have tempted you into finding a dance class or some other form of activity. So please do get in touch with us and drop us some feedback on social media at St Hilda's East on Twitter and Facebook. This week, we'd love to know how you stay active. Perhaps it's a walk every weekend, a run at 6am every morning or taking the stairs instead of the lift. If you are enjoying the podcast, it would be amazing if you could drop us a follow or a subscribe or a rating or whatever is available on the platform you're listening on. And then you can be sure not to miss our next episode, which will be out in a fortnight. And we will be talking to one of our lovely volunteers, Christina, and Pat will be back and they will be discussing giving. See you then.